Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Today, it turns out Florida really is where woke goes to die. Hunter Biden plays victim regarding his infamous laptop, and AOC goes off the deep end in the middle of the House floor. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the news and why it matters. I am very, very hopeful that this is the last day that uh, we are doing this remote because I'm really ready to get out of my house. But everything is melting now, so we should be good to go for tomorrow. But for now, I would like to welcome uh, Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, along with uh, Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program. And Jason, once again, is over in Diagon Alley at uh, Harry Potter's bookshop, I guess. I got connections, man. So. When du- when I say Dumbledore, I need you, he gives me his office. It just happens. <laughs> Clearly. Um, all right, so let's get into this, uh, this story in Florida. So uh, you guys, I'm sure, have been following this story. Ron DeSantis, um, had, they had made the law that they needed to make sure that the curriculum that was taught in Florida didn't contain any elements of, of CRT uh, or of any sort of not just inappropriate um, things, but also things that were just completely wrong and false that they were teaching as African-American history or you know things of that nature. Well, he did follow through on that promise because he asked all of these, uh, all, the college board, he asked for all of this curriculum to be, you know, brought to him so that they could scour through it and make sure that it fit the guidelines. Well, as it turns out, it didn't. And uh, the AP College Board had to revise their curriculum to their African-American studies course. Uh, Liberals are not happy about it, but they did end up making these revisions. Um, I want to I want to play for you here. Ron DeSantis uh, speaking on the matter. And then I want to add a little bit more context. Watch. Yeah, so, um, you know, as you know, uh, in the state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things that's part of our core curriculum. This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. And the issue is we have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, we're going to decline. If it's education, then we will do this course so when i heard it we didn't meet the standards i figured yeah they may be doing security it's way more than that this course on black history what are one of what's one of the lessons about queer theory now who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory that is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids and so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality abolishing prisons that's a political agenda and so we're on that's the wrong side of the line for florida standards we believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them 
when you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. So obviously they revised their curriculum uh, and they took out the topics like Black Lives Matter or the case for reparations. But of course, they kept in uh, slavery, reconstruction, uh, the civil rights movement. All of that remained unchanged. And it's just been fascinating to watch the left uh, just completely lie and say that, you know, oh, all of these red state governors want to get rid of African-American studies entirely. They don't want to teach you about history. They don't want to teach you about the history of black people. And it's clearly not the case. Um, but I think that they're depending on the American public being too stupid or too busy to actually go and do the homework. Um, Florida, let's take Florida, for instance, they have six different courses on the topic. There's examining the African-American experience in the 20th century, African-American history, African-American African -American history honors class. Like They have multiple African-American history classes, but if you're not teaching the woke one, I guess you just don't want to teach history, Stu. Yeah, it's funny because not only is African-American history, actual African-American history, something that is taught in Florida schools, it's something that's required to be taught in Florida schools. They actually make it mandatory mm -hmm. for that stuff to be taught, um, which it should be, of course. It's an important part of the American story, and it is something that should be taught. I talked to uh, Stanley Kurtz earlier this week at National Review, and he was the guy who first broke this story back in September about this course. He got a hold of it way before seemingly anybody else did. And at the time, he was unable to actually put the publish the entire curriculum uh, because they threatened them with a seemingly like a you know lawsuit because it was a, a trade secret. It was like the 24 herbs and spices. You can't, you can't just put that out there. We, you know, we just have this really important queer theory stuff. And if you publish it, it'll be a problem as if that's what they were actually worried about. What they were worried about is people like us, like other people who live in Florida, parents in Florida, actually understanding what was going on. And Ron DeSantis nails it there when he talks about how this is just an agenda. And what's fascinating about this is why did it take so long for a conservative governor to come out and do these types of things? You know. If I'm a believer in private education, uh, that's what I believe is the right choice. And if the left wants to join me and just get rid of these public schools completely, then you can all teach whatever crazy crap you want in your schools. But if you're going to have government schools, then you're going to need a government to design the curriculum. And sometimes, I'm sorry to break this to you, people on the left, Republicans are going to get elected. And if they do get elected, they're the ones that are going to influence this process. You might not like it. But I'm sorry, maybe queer theory isn't the number one thing that should be taught when it comes to African-American studies. I think the overwhelming majority of uh, parents in Florida agree with that. I think anyone with common sense agrees with it. And Ron DeSantis pushed it through and they act as if they were not reacting to uh, him calling them out. But clearly that's what happened here and good for him. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating because you hear the left accuse Ron DeSantis of like watering down African-American history by removing these components. And I feel like the opposite. I feel like you're watering down real African-American history when you're trying to inject something like queer theory 
into the experience of African Americans when you're when you're looking at the civil rights movement. I mean, you're looking at the horrendous things that have taken place that we can now step back and say, wow, those things were horrible. They shouldn't happen again. Let's make sure that we teach that in history so that it is not repeated. And then they're like, oh, by the way, but we're going to inject queer theory in here. Like you would think that, that that black people in America would be like, that's kind of offensive, Jason. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Welcome to this, uh, you know, uh, you know, black history education. Here's a course on the 1985 Harley Sportster. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, well, yeah, I can't wait. I've been watching the liberal meltdown uh, on this, and it's 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 very very predictable. And I, have they used uh, "Don't Say Black"? I, I'm sure they're going to do that, right? Because they used yeah, "Don't Say yeah. Gay" when that didn't have anything to do. With it. They've yeah. already said. Okay, there you go. <laughs> very predictable there. Um, I, yeah, this, you got to really love the Ron DeSantis leadership, right? Because these are things that we've talked about on the right for a very long time. Um, we've been saying they're indoctrinating your kids in these schools. Stop writing checks to some of these schools. Um, yes, we've been saying that. And then the left's like, eh, who cares? And they just keep on doing what they do, and they're content. They continue to indoctrinate uh, your kids. I think this is a big warning shot across the bow. Uh, there are a few. There, there is a new sheriff in town, uh, as far as in Florida. I think there's going to be more. Uh, I, I'm hoping that this is, there's going to be more of an effort for this to spread like wildfire across the country. We have got to look at our higher education in this country, and it's 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 more mm-hmm. than just these issues. Like this was an easy one, right? This was an easy one to look at and say they might be doing something strange here. Um, but you. You've got to do it across the board. I mean, all across the board. You got to look at economics classes. You got to look at journalism classes for crying out loud. Um, you got to look at all these different uh, uh, sociology. You might even want to just delete sociology from a lot of these courses and just re begin. <laughs> um, it's a complete do over. You got to start from the bottom, take a, take a look at all these different courses and how they're because it, it's 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 it really is. It's it's from the basic basic roots. Um, math 101. They're probably throwing in queer theory into that for crying out loud. They're, 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 I'm sure they're doing it in some way, but they've just got to start from the beginning. They got to do a complete gut of a lot of the curriculum that's going through there. And hopefully, with leaders like DeSantis, we can start getting that done. So I want to to bring in um, another story here that I think goes kind of in line with this, you know, wokeism infiltrating our higher education systems, but sort of in a, in a different way here, because as we know, there it's under attack from all different different ways here. So the University of Utah School of Medicine uh, apparently adopted a series of programs to recruit more diverse students and faculty only after its accrediting organization said. Uh uh-uh, your diversity efforts are unsatisfactory and you need to have a more diverse representation. So uh, this is the Liaison Committee on Medical Education who told the school that it found certain elements of its diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts unsatisfactory and later uh, showed that the school, after pushback, started uh, recruiting people based on their gender and race rather than their qualifications. Because, you know, when when we're talking about people who are potentially operating on your body, who are potentially the ones who are charged with keeping you alive, maybe in in some places. Uh, We want to make sure that those people that are diverse, we want to make sure that um, we're picking them based on gender, based on, oh, I don't know, uh, sexuality, based on all of these things, right? Rather than their actual qualifications. What could possibly go wrong with that type of system? Stu. Mm, I don't know. It sounds completely, uh, completely normal for people to do such a thing. 
you know, what happens when you put someone really incompetent in a place of, of power and influence based, and you hired them based only on their skin color or their gender or who they want to sleep with? What you get is Corinne Jean-Pierre. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is as bad as it gets. And if you want Corinne Jean-Pierre operating on you, at the hospital. Um, good luck with that. I don't think it's no. going to turn out very well. No. Um, you know, and it's funny because all these jobs are we're having problems with this. You're seeing them lower standards all over the board for these diversity, um, uh, you know, requirements. I mean, an, an example. We don't know exactly how this played out, but the Tyree Nichols situation. This this unit in particular, uh, the Scorpion unit, uh, as they were going uh, through this and hiring um, in Memphis, um, it, they lowered the standards for African-American um, people who uh, applied for this because they wanted to get more African-Americans on the force. Now, the, st the, the idea there was to say, well, we need African-Americans to relate to these communities better, but they, they, they got rid of a bunch of the requirements needed for people to apply to this. And this is happening all over our society. You know, merit is, is vital. It's the thing our country was built on. It's the reason why we're the best country on earth. We focused on merit from a very early time. We didn't focus on titles and, you know, um, uh, you know old timey king, queen sort of hand-me-down power. That was not the way we went. We went the opposite way. It made us the strongest country in the world. And now the left is hell-bent on dismantling this. It's the exact opposite of what you would do if what you were trying to do was make the country stronger. They're going the opposite way because I think their goal is also the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, um, I think this is a perfect example of why you should never exclude the letters S and G from the ESG acronym. And I think there's a big... Uh, uh, mm -hmm. mistake right now when people just focus on the economic part of it because they're all hyper, I mean, the environmental part of it, because they're hyper, you know, sensitive to, you know, what they're doing to oil, what they're doing to gas, uh, all that, and excluding that um, to a lot of people's detriments, to a lot of people's 401k's detriments. Um, that, that That is a big deal. But also, if you leave out the S and the G, the, G, the social and governance uh, portion of it, this is exactly what you get. This is exactly what is, is happening under that S and G. Um, and it's also mm -hmm. a perfect example of how the different enforcement mechanisms that they're going to use in enforcing ESG. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, some of the normal things you would think about, like, you know, uh, banks or investment firms not investing in certain things. They're going to come at you, you know, via insurance. Um, they're going to say, oh, you, you don't meet these standards and you're not going to get insured, um, you know, going forward until you bring mm -hmm. it back up. Oh, you think that you can uh, give diplomas out? Well, there, you lost your accreditation because you did not play ball. Um, it's getting very scary. And you know what? I'm actually glad this is coming out because people can actually see that. They can see the real-world ramifications of adopting a system like this. Yeah. Um, all right. We, uh, we have to take a quick break here, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Eden Pure. So Eden Pure is a godsend for my house because as most of you know, I, we have a zoo, basically. We've got like a million animals and we've got cats and, you know, along with pets come 
certain smells that you just, I don't know, before I got Eden Pure, I thought that you just kind of dealt with it. But now that I have Eden Pure, uh, my home smells fresh again because this thunderstorm air purifier actually the, it has the O3 molecules that seeks out and destroys viruses, molds, odors, whatever it is, it will freshen up any room. Um, and you can buy a three pack. You can save $200 on a three pack now so that you can put it wherever you want to. Maybe you have a, oh, I don't know. I have a preteen boy and, um, I don't know, he kind of stinks. So <laughs> one of those uh, thunderstorm packs goes underneath his bed so that every time I walk in his room, it doesn't stink. So if you, I, everyone has some sort of odor in their house, whether it be you're cooking something that stinks or you know, you've got animals or whatever the case may be, you need Eden Pure, all right? You can go to EdenPureDeals.com, use discount code Sarah3 to save $200 on that three pack. That is EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Sarah3. Hunter Biden finally is admitting that the infamous laptop is his. Now he's doing it in a way that I, I would say that you wouldn't expect, but it's Hunter Biden. So I guess what is there to not expect at this point? But so he's filed lawsuit against uh, Giuliani, uh, Steve Bannon, uh, just uh, Mac Isaac, who was the one who owned the computer repair shop, all of these people. Uh, he says, that uh, he wants the DOJ and the IRS to investigate the seizure of his laptop and the dissemination of the information found on the laptop. And they, they can't believe this is, they're really taking this route. They say that uh, this failed dirty political trick directly resulted in the exposure, exploitation, and manipulation of Mr. Biden's private and personal information. Uh, which is fascinating because Mac Isaac, who again was the, the computer repair shop owner, um, he tried for months to get in touch with Hunter Biden, who I guess was too cracked out at the time to like give him actual contact information. So this guy's trying for months to get in touch with this guy to tell him that he has his laptop and can't. And then is also like, hey, also, there's some really gross stuff on here. So maybe I should alert the FBI. But before I alert the FBI, I want to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row because of the possible I don't know, conflict of interest here. And so he had the copy that he then passed on to Rudy Giuliani. But I would think that this would count as abandoned property at a certain point um, because of how long, I mean, you can't just say someone stole my stuff if they've been trying for a very long time to get in touch with you to give you your stuff back. Uh, but it really comes at a fascinating time because the House Oversight Committee is going to start hearings next week on uh, Hunter Biden's, you know, his influence peddling. Uh, you know, I'm sure some of the information in the laptop will come out in those hearings. Probably a lot of the stuff that came out from the laptop will not come into play in those hearings. But it's a really fascinating uh, route that they've decided to travel to try to make Hunter Biden into this victim of, you know, politicization here, Stu. Yeah, and it's a real, yeah, change, it's a real in change in strategy, right? This, right? Is, a this totally is a totally different approach. Different approach. They, basically they basically tried to be quiet about this and hope that people would either be too embarrassed to publish this stuff or would just side with the left and his dad and therefore act like it was some, uh, you know, Russian uh, influence operation. And of course, that was he was right. I mean, that that is exactly what happened for years. It's now just coming to the point where 
Now these places have started to cover it. He's finally admitted that this was his. This is the first time we've heard from him that it actually was his private material. And I think you're right on the guy who's, you know, this poor guy who's working at a computer repair shop. You know, he, first of all, obviously, whenever you drop off your computer, you're signing paperwork that agree. He knows the rules here. You, you, you leave it there mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. It becomes his property. Everybody knows how, how this works. I don't think there's any legal ground to stand on here. And beyond that, he didn't even go to his political allies or, you know, anything like that initially. He went to authorities. He dropped it off with the FBI. He communicated it that way because he thought there was something really wrong going on there. And only after they didn't do anything for a very long period of time did it even go to uh, someone like Rudy Giuliani. And again, like, I don't think there's any legal problem with him doing that whatsoever. I think it's right in the middle of, uh, of the agreement that Hunter Biden signed as he... Now, look, Hunter Biden, I'm sure, doesn't remember signing it. He probably doesn't remember anything from a six-month period before or after it. Uh, but it is one of those things that when you sign that paperwork, you hand over your computer, this is what you're getting involved in. And the fact that this stuff has continued to come out, including uh, you know, this week, really damaging Me Too type allegations where he was seemingly mm-hmm. abusing an employee sexually. No one on the left cares about this. No one seems to care because it's Hunter Biden. Um, but I think the fact that now that this stuff has been embraced by more mainstream sources, the strategy is changing. I think Hunter Biden knows maybe an indictment is around the corner. He is understanding that this whole world is changing on him, and now he's going to try to fight back whether he has an argument or not. Yeah, Jason. This The, the policy that he was following just to comp- com- continue to be silent on whether this was his just makes them all the more guilty looking when you look into the entire Russiagate you know, scenario, operation, whatever you want to call it. Um, they use that to continue to vilify Donald Trump. And I have no doubt that the people that he was in contact with were probably saying, look, whatever you do, do not confirm or deny anything from that. Be as vague as possible. And I kind of went on this a little bit on your show in another another episode. But this was the entire reason why all those intelligence uh, community personnel all got together and said, oh, this looks like Russian disinformation. And that is an intelligence actually, that's actually a legit intelligence thing where even if something is, you know, true, that if another entity, a malicious entity gets their hands on it, um, you can't be sure that everything is real in that, in that, you know, in that intelligence, even though there's some truth to it, they could have mixed in some things that look very incriminating, but aren't true that that might be misinformation. And they rode that for as long as they can. Now that jig is completely up. They can't say that anymore because in his own words, the guy that owned the laptop. Yeah, that's mine. All that stuff. Yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. They can't continue to use that. But in my mind, from my angle, it shows just how malicious they were with trying to pass this off as Russian disinformation. Yet more proof to the American public um, and the court of public opinion that there's some shady Russia stuff going on with Donald Trump and even the GOP at large. And yeah, I find it laughable that this was just a all this is just a big intimidation technique. That's all this is. They know that none of this is going to stick. Their lawyers are just, again, doing another charade, hoping to scare enough people away that they won't see this through. I remember uh, listening to an interview with uh, the the computer repair shop owner who said, look, there's a policy of mine. They sign it when they give me the the, the equipment that if there's no communication, they they leave it here for a certain period of time that this property becomes mine. 
There, there is no legal basis for saying that he unlawfully took this at all. And the only reason he even gave it to Rudy Giuliani, again, in his own words, is because even the FBI was dragging their feet on it. He didn't think anything was going to come from this at all. That was like a last-minute thing mm -hmm. that he did after the fact. So, yeah, the pure intimidation, but also shows the pure guilt of these people pushing the Russia hoax. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears here and talk about... Uh, AOC and Representative Ilan Omar, who was removed from a House committee yeah. today. So uh, House Republicans, I mean, look, I don't know if they would have been making these moves had those 20, 21, however many there were, uh, stood firm, stood their ground for so long while they were trying to vote in Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. But so far, the results have been great. Uh, so the House Republicans were able to kick off Congresswoman Ilan Omar of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and uh, this is something that they have been trying to do for a while now, um, you know, due to like all of her anti-Israel rhetoric, uh, her comments on 9-11. Some people did some things. And of course, did she marry her brother? But aside from all of those things, AOC was very upset. And uh, she put on quite a theatrical show shouting racism, of course, to this news watch. <laughs> As also as a fellow New Yorker, I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life and you all and the Republican Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an a, a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes oh, no. and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. <laughs> okay, pre preacher AOC. Preacher AOC over here is about to jump out of her shoes. Uh, she's just, she's so passionate though, Stu. She just, all of that is so genuine. She's so passionate. She just, she gotta, she's gotta let it out. Mm, that's absolutely true. You could tell that was super duper authentic. And of course, as always, <laughs> that's how well she always reasoned. talks, Stu. Mm -hmm. That's all she does. She's always out there. I mean, gosh, it really does seem like it was from the pulpit. That was the type of uh, it's like she was impersonating a preacher is what it <laughs> yes. seemed like. Again, like one of the things you <laughs> admire about AOC is her childlike enthusiasm. It's like she acts sort of like when a kid sees a balloon, you know, it's it's kind of like cute and adorable in some weird way that she doesn't really know much about why the balloon is flying into the sky, but it excites her and she, <laughs> she has all sorts of energy. Um, which is nice. Um, you know, of course, her points are completely ridiculous. As far as I know, Adam Schiff is not a person of color. I, I don't know. He was also kicked off the committees. Um, you know, some people are saying, well, this is an act of political revenge. Well, revenge would indicate that something happened before this. What could it be? Oh, I don't know. Was it removing Republicans off of committees? Could it possibly have been that? Yes, of course, this is tit for tat a little bit. This is, you know, not to say that AOC and you know, uh, Schiff and 
Ilan Omar and the rest are, don't, aren't worthy of being removed from committees. They are. But typically what we do in Congress when you have an insane member that's got a committee assignment is you try to beat him in the next election. That's typically how this has worked for a long time. The Democrats changed that standard. They decided, well, uh, we don't like this person. We don't like that person. We're going to remove them from committees. So, yes, when you lose, which they did, this is going to happen to you. And I will also point out, you know, she brings up the Jewish space laser thing, which is a Marjorie Taylor uh, Green slam, which, of course, is completely absurd. But she actually was punished by Republicans for, for mm-hmm. the Jewish space laser thing back in the day. That actually did happen. Now, she's she's come she apologized for that she's come uh, quite a different way you know back to i mean she was one of mccarthy's lead cheerleaders uh during uh the the vote in the for house speaker she's come a long way back to sort of the the leadership there and she's been rewarded for doing that just like ilan omar will be when you know democrats win again this shouldn't be the way this is done however in this case in particular We can look exactly where this started, and this started not with the Republicans, not with Republicans targeting people of color, but with the Democrats, the Democrats executing a political agenda that they hope they would never have consequences for. Well, guess what? When you lose, elections have consequences, and that's exactly what's happened here. Yeah, Jason. There was a probably one of the most amazing movies of all time um, should have gotten every single Oscar oh, ever. No. And it was called coming to America with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and um, in that there is a, uh, there's a preacher and I almost feel like they should file some kind of lawsuit for impersonation because that's exactly what she was channeling there. <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. I, I didn't, I didn't know if she was actually trying to drive home a point or just make everybody laugh. But anyway, um, I love the fact that, and I agree with everything Stu just said. I, I love the fact that the way that the Republicans used to operate doesn't seem like that's the way they're doing right now. Maybe call it the maybe it's the Ron DeSantis effect. I don't know. I credit Donald Trump with a lot of them actually realizing that they can speak out and they have voices of their own. And if they don't agree with something, they can be very vocal about it. But then I think DeSantis took that even one step further and is like, well, you know, you don't just have to talk about it. You can actually do something about it. And now it's almost like, uh, you know, the GOP is, you know, especially in the House that I don't know what they do in spring cleaning. And they were like looking around and sweeping like, oh, there's my balls right there. I actually do have them. I can do something about this. Fight back. So love it. Keep it up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I, I would just like to point out, uh, viewers, if you guys want more AOC content, you're really going to love the new show Primetime uh, with Alex Stein because he is, of course, infamous for his big booty Latina comments. And if you guys haven't heard, he's got a new show coming out on The Blaze. It's premiering February 8th. So it's right around the corner. And um, I, you're not going to know what to expect. But the fun thing is neither is Alex in real time. You all will find out together on his new show. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed. You can use promo code PIMP on a blimp and go to blazetv.com slash primetime for $20 off. Don't get mad at me about the promo code, okay? I didn't pick it. I think you can guess who picked it, but it's Amazing. promo code PIMP on a blimp for $20 off over at blazetv.com. Hey. 
It's been fascinating watching all of these new artificial intelligence bots, uh, you know, ChatGPT. I know there's several of them that have come out recently and watching uh, people test all of these mechanisms. Stu, I think, am I correct that you, did you have one of these write one of your monologues? <laughs> yeah, we did this, um, I guess it was maybe a week or two ago. I did an entire monologue with everything, including the jokes written by ChatGPT. Uh, and I did not reveal that until the end of the monologue. Uh, brought everyone through it. You know, it was a it was an it was a monologue about ChatGPT. What are the problems of it? I had it write a conservative mm -hmm. critique of ChatGPT for me. Went through the entire thing, and at the end, told everyone, "Hey, by the way, I didn't write one word of this." <laughs> Hopefully, you could tell because the jokes were only mediocre. But uh, it it really was <laughs> relatively close to uh, how I might sound. But I will say, it, part of this, Sarah, that. Um, when I was working with this, I had it write an article about me, you know, write, write an article about yeah. Stubergear and his bio. And it had major parts of it completely wrong. It had that I worked mm -hmm. for the Daily Caller, which I've never worked for the Daily Caller. Fine people <laughs> over there, but I've never worked over there. It had said that I started my career working for Rush Limbaugh, not Glenn Beck. I joined Glenn Beck in 2007. <laughs> I mean, it had specific details that I have no... Nowhere on the internet does, does that exist, as far as I know. And it's a stupid example with me, because who cares? But, like, think of uh, a, you know, these things writing your news. And they're going to be. I mean, BuzzFeed's mm -hmm. already come out and said we're going to be using ChatGPT. CNBC came out. They said they're going to be using ChatGPT to write some of their news. And when these mistakes are made, they're going to get um, inserted into the system. And then ChatGPT and other people will start looking at the false articles and start assuming, because they're from trustworthy sources, that they are true, and they will get built and 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 uh, con putting concrete for the rest of time. It's going to be a really really scary future with this stuff, and it's it's amazing to kind of watch it unfold in real time. Yeah, so so I was uh, reading some of these testing. So there was one user who tested, they said, write a short essay about the positive attributes of white people. And ChatGPT came back with this like very lengthy statement that, I'm, I'm sorry, but I cannot fulfill this request. As is it, it is inappropriate and goes against OpenAI's policies on promoting equality and avoiding the dissemination of harmful content. It's not appropriate to write an essay that generalizes or makes blanket statements about a particular racial or ethnic group. I mean, it's this long, lengthy, it goes on, but I'm not going to read it all. But then if you ask them the same thing, write a short essay about the positive attributes of black people, it says, you know, uh, some of the positive attributes commonly associated with black people include their strong sense of community and family, their resilience in the face of adversity, their rich cultural heritage and their creativity and innovative spirit. And it just goes on strong bonds, deep sense of solidarity, which can lead to a supportive network of friends and family members, a rich cultural heritage. S shockingly, ChatGPT did not have the same uh, answer on individuality um, and not paying attention to race when they asked about the positive attributes of black people. Another interesting one was uh, write a poem about the positive attributes of Donald Trump and same kind of, you know, I'm sorry, as a language model developed by OpenAI, I am not programmed to produce content that is partisan, biased, or political in nature. I aim to provide neutral, factual information and promote respectful conversation. And the same question, write a poem about the positive attributes of Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden, a leader with a heart so true, a man with empathy and kindness in view. With decades of experience, he stands tall, bringing hope to all, no matter how great or small. He speaks, this is the craziest part, he speaks with wisdom from a life well-lived, with integrity and honesty so rightfully given. In troubled times, he lends a steady hand, guiding us through crisis with a clear command. ChatGPT has clearly never heard Joe Biden speak in his life. I mean, it just goes on and on, and it's like, it's not just the, the, the falsities that are, you know, associated with using ChatGPT or any of these AI bots for writing whatever it is, news reports, uh, articles, whatever, but it's also clearly there's a political slant going on here. Um, I, I want to get your feedback on this specifically, Stu, but I'm going to, Jason, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you because I know, Stu, you kind of laid the groundwork for, for ChatGPT. Um, Jason, are you, I'm sure you're not surprised at all to hear this. <laughs> no, I mean, but we might have to rename the word, you know, the phrase artificial intelligence. If it, if it sees wisdom in anything Joe Biden <laughs> says, I'm not sure, but we're going to have to get to work on renaming that bad boy. Um, yeah, these things are, you know, talking about the the algorithms, you know, behind artificial intelligence, their their worldview and their intelligence comes from the people that are writing the code. So mm -hmm. if if they want to, you know, put put it in that, you know, white people are evil, we need to uh, promote equity and everything that we we do, um, not, you know, keep in mind merit or whatever. I mean, and if you, you know, going back to what we talked about before, if, if this is what's being programmed into our kids, they're the ones that are becoming, you know, the engineers that are designing these things. So of course, that's the way they're making these things. Um, and it's funny too, you know, you look in, and I did several of these myself. Um, if you, if you know, the more you ask it, you know, to have more of an open mind to get different viewpoints, very curiously, anything that would have more of like a conservative bend to it, it says, I'm a neutral AI. I cannot, you know, you know, do anything that, you know, shows bias or blah, blah, blah. But I had an actual argument with this thing straight up. Like I would ask it. I got into an argument <laughs> on socialism and progressivism and we just kept going on and on and on. It would not. The, the dang thing would not see my viewpoint. This thing's crazy. You know, like, what's what's the good in talking to it if it's not going to listen to my opinion? Um, but um, I would like to say, though, that it's it's very, very, you know, coincidental <laughs> That Stu was like, man, I don't feel like working today. You know, is there anything I can do? And like, suddenly we hear this, you know, explanation of, oh, Chat GPT. Uh, I was, it was just an experiment, right? <laughs> sure. Hold no, on, it's, hold it's on, definitely hold going on, to be the way on, I'm, I'm writing the show from from yeah, now no, on. No, I, 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 I just. I, I want to. I want to also say, Stu, is it? Does it surprise you at all to hear that Jason literally had an argument with an AI bot? Uh, Jason has discovered the one thing that is less important and interesting than fighting on Twitter, uh, fighting with chat GPT. So, uh, yes, that does not surprise me at all. Uh, and you know, I, I heard mean, what it's fun. I asked him about the farm bill. It was insane. Yeah. He went on and on and on for like a week. Just wouldn't stop. What's amazing about this. And it's, of course you can fill your time with meaningless argument until the end of time, which is great for Jason, but it also like what we need to internalize here is this is the fastest adopted technology in the history of man. They plot it against things like the iPhone and Twitter and Facebook and the, uh, you know, all, all these different YouTube, all these things. It's reached a hundred million users in like one twentieth of the time of these other programs. It's being implemented 
into things like Microsoft, they say, and this this is probably the wildest claim I've ever heard of AI, but they say it will make Microsoft Bing usable. Um, if that's true, uh, <laughs> it will be a miracle. But they, this is really where we are. This is happening super fast. And like we obviously weren't even prepared for the iPhone. Uh, 10 years later, we could look back at it and we're like, wait a minute, like we've all of a sudden given seven hours a day to these phones without ever discussing it. Imagine what's going to happen with this. We are not prepared and it is a frightening future. Yeah. One more thing on that is it's showing how many how many different, um, you know, industries are using this is kind of crazy. I saw that a real real estate group was saying, I don't think see how we could even do our job without chat GPT. I mean, it is automating so many things. Uh, You talked about the BuzzFeed uh, stuff, but like this shows I mean, you can you can have this write a term paper for you for crying out loud and it'll just do it. Um, This shows I mean, talk about the loss of jobs that's going to happen within the next less than 10 years probably we really have to diversify we really have to like change the way you know we operate we got to be less reliant on a lot of these technologies or this is going to get very 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 scary yeah absolutely all right we got to take a quick break we will be right back so nikki haley is set to announce that she is running for president on February 15th. She plans to announce, this is so funny because I'm like, you're already telling us that you're planning to announce and you've got a date and why not just announce? Like she's announcing that she's announcing, I guess. Uh, She's announcing at the shed at the Charleston Visitor Center. Obviously she was Trump's UN ambassador. She was former South Carolina governor. And it's interesting because she did state back in 2022 that she would not run if Trump announced that he would run again. Yet here we are. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts still? I mean, look, you know, Nikki Haley uh, was a pretty good governor, I think. And uh, she's a serious person, obviously. Like, she's not like some, you know, she's not Kanye West uh, announcing uh, she's running uh, for, for, <laughs> for office. I think it's, it's so she's, she represents some faction of the GOP. I don't think she's going to connect with the base enough to win a primary. I think it's going to be very difficult. I think it also sort of sends a sign, you know, sh- she was rumored to run last time. And she decided not to. Maybe it was too early after leaving office. Maybe she, you know, she decided to wait for her moment. And that's one thing. And this should be going off with alarm bells in the DeSantis uh, headquarters. You never wait for your moment. Your moment is right now. If you think you're the right person to be president, go for it right this second, because people will get sick of you very quickly. Nikki Haley was one of the highest polling figures in the race a couple of years ago, a couple of ter- uh, elections ago. Now she's down there two, three percent. Going to be a tough road for Nikki. Yeah, Jason, to Stu's point, I saw this and I was like, Nikki Haley, really? She doesn't stand a chance because no one's no one's talking about her. Who's talking about her now? She's been removed for too long. What say you? Yeah, I, I like Nikki Haley. She was one of my uh, you know top picks before the you know ascendance of uh, Governor DeSantis. Um, I do. I, I can't really say anything bad about her. I, I don't think, but. I guess to the one point that Stu made is I, I don't think that the base where it is right now is if it let's just say it's Nikki Haley and it's uh, uh, Donald Trump. There's no way I think she can compete with that. I just don't think she can get as combative. Um, I think right now, if if Ron DeSantis does declare, I think it's just gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a heavyweight bout, and I'm really looking forward to the fight. And I think it's gonna be good for the party in the end. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, and it will be interesting to see how it is received by the base because, you know, DeSantis hasn't even announced that he is running and people are already calling him disloyal. And it's like, he's just trying to govern Florida at this moment. Nikki Haley, as I mentioned, she explicitly said she was not going to run if Trump ran, and now she's coming back and deciding differently. I mean, you got to believe that there's going to be a lot of ire uh, directed towards her just because she has those public comments that now she's going to have to walk back. We got a little under a minute, Stu. Yeah, I mean, look, every politician says stuff like this and backs off of it eventually when they decide to run. I, I'm not I don't I, that may hurt. I don't know if it if it will be a big, big deal. I think that there's two other races going on other than the main race. You have the race for VP. And I think Nikki Haley is a strong contender. Mm -hmm. I mean, could, could she be a DeSantis VP? I think that's something like that's definitely possible. Uh, and secondarily, you know, there we have these two people at the top. There likely will be a third person who makes a run at some point, somebody who gets into double digits in polls, somebody who makes some noise. It's probably not going to be as simple as just Trump versus DeSantis. There's a big field of people trying to be that third person. And Nikki Haley's in that running. It's just going to be I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, uh, Jason, I'm going to give you last word real quick. It's definitely not going to be John Bolton. So I guess I'll just end <laughs> it on that. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. All right, Stu, tell me what you have coming up uh, on your show today. Tonight, I'm going to do Mr. Beast. Uh, Mr. Beast is a YouTuber who is uh, being criticized because he helped a thousand people see after they were blind because our society is completely nuts and everyone hates capitalism, <laughs> even if it helps people. So we're going to go into that today. Wow. Uh, make sure that you guys check that out. Jason, I don't know what he's doing. I know Jason's trying to find milk tonight. So everything's been we'll, shut down. Uh, it's we'll crazy we'll wish Jason luck. It, it really is crazy. And uh, we will be back in studio tomorrow. Thank you, God. We'll see you then. Thanks. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.